And now, the news. South Korea falls to communist invasion. Nancy Pelosi becomes president of the Mars colony. And sex pistols banned from flying with their trousers down. And finally, join us on a voyage to planet Bongo, where citizens drink their own piss and have eyes in their bum holes. Those are the headlines. God, I wish they weren't. News Bang, a stirring cocktail of facts and fiction. 1951. Breaking news from the Korean War Front, where the North Koreans and their Chinese chums have captured Seoul, much to the surprise of everyone who thought it was just a popular K-pop band. The United Nations, clearly with nothing better to do, have decided to intervene in what they're calling the Third Battle of Seoul, or as we like to call it, the Chinese New Year's Offensive. UN forces are desperately trying to regain control of the city from the invading hordes, but with little success. One UN spokesman said, We keep giving them our positions, and they still won't leave us alone. Meanwhile, on the ground, Private Jim, a lucky luckless, had this to say, It's bloody freezing out here. I joined up for the travel and all I got was this lousy frostbite. The battle rages on with no end in sight. Experts predict that if things continue like this, we could be looking at a stalemate or even... Gasp! Peace talks. In other news... It is a situm. 2007. Nancy Pelosi, a woman so powerful she needed two names, made history today by becoming Speaker of the House. The house in question being the one where they keep all the MPs in Washington, D.C., or the swamp, as it's known to its friends. Nancy who hails from California's 11th Congressional District, which is either a typo or an LSD-fueled dream, became the first female speaker since Margaret Thatcher had her turn at a karaoke night in 1982. She beat off stiff competition from her male counterparts, stop sniggering at the back, to take on this prestigious role. As speaker, she presided over some of the most turbulent times in recent American history, two terms under Obama's reign, and then again during Trump's shambolic tenure. Throughout it all, she remained composed and dignified, much like her husband after a few glasses of Chardonnay. 1977. Punk rockers The Sex Pistols have been grounded indefinitely after their lewd behaviour at Heathrow Airport caused EMI to terminate their contract. The band, known for their anarchic antites and disregard for decency, pushed things too far when they decided to check in their manners along with their baggage. Eyewitnesses described a scene of chaos as Sid Vicious began eating the duty-free chocolate without paying, while Johnny Rotten reportedly mooned airport staff and demanded two tickets to firmament. It was when Nancy Spungen started a food fight in Weatherspoons that EMI had enough. A spokesman said, We've tolerated their anti-establishment antics, but this is just plain rude. The band's departure leaves a gaping hole in the punk scene, which will now be filled by more mild-mannered acts like the Bay City Rollers. As for Heathrow Airport, it's business as usual, though security has been stepped up in case any other musicians try to check in with attitude. Newsbang truth in a sweet, sweet syrup of facts. Here's Shakanaka Giles with a sprinkling of meteorological marvels.
Tomorrow's weather forecast predicts a day of mixed fortunes, starting in the southeast where it'll be a frosty morning with a dusting of snowflakes like sugar on a scone. Over to the Midlands, a bright and crisp day, the kind that leaves your cheeks as rosy as a newborn's. Now, to the north of England and Scotland, a day of brisk winds and showers, a bit like a hyperactive Labrador shaking off after a swim. And finally, to Wales, a day of grey skies and drizzle, enough to dampen the spirits of even the most optimistic sheep. In summary then, a sprinkling of snow, a rosy glow, a soaking and a damp squib. Stay warm everyone, and that's all the weather. Twenty ten. In the year 2010, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai reigns supreme as the world's tallest structure, towering at an impressive 828 meters. This architectural marvel has held the esteemed title since 2009, surpassing the once tallest Taipei 101. Dubai, the vibrant heart of the United Arab Emirates, plays host to the most populous city within its borders, further solidifying its status as a global powerhouse. Now, to delve deeper into the story of the Burj Khalifa, we turn to our reporter, Brian Bastable. And you join me now, my friend, in the middle of a war zone. The air is thick with the stench of death and the cries of the wounded. Around me, men are screaming and dying, their bodies torn apart by the hail of bullets and bombs. But in the midst of all this chaos, there stands a tower, a tower that reaches up to the heavens, a monument to man's ambition and hubris. The Burj Khalifa, the tallest structure in the world, stands defiant in the face of war and destruction. 828 meters of steel and glass, a testament to the power of mankind. But even as I stand here, I cannot help but wonder, what is the point of all this? What is the point of building the tallest tower in the world if it stands in the middle of a war zone, a symbol of man's folly and arrogance? As I look up at the tower, I am reminded of the words of the great poet T.S. Eliot, who wrote, We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Sigh. From the war-torn streets of Dubai, this is Brian Bastable reporting for Newsbang. 1977. The Sex Pistols' scandalous antics at Heathrow Airport in 1977 sealed their fate with EMI, but their influence on punk rock remains undeniable. Punk emerged as a rejection of mainstream rock, and the Sex Pistols, with their provocative style, inspired future musicians. Heathrow Airport, London's largest international hub, witnessed the band's lewd behaviour while EMI, a major record label, terminated their contract. Now, for more on this story, we turn to Ken Shit. Greetings, you filthy animals. It's your favourite field reporter, Ken Shit, back with another tale of chaos and mayhem. Tonight, we're going back to the year 1977 at time, 
when punk rock was tearing up the scene like a pack of wild dogs on acid. The Sex Pistols were the epitome of this movement, a bunch of anarchic misfits who didn't give a flying fuck about society's rules. They were like a storm brewing on the horizon, ready to unleash their fury upon the world. But it all came crashing down at Heathrow Airport. The Pistols were supposed to fly out for their first US tour, but their lewd behavior at the airport led to their contract with EMI being terminated. It was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You knew it was gonna be bad, but you just couldn't look away. Punk rock was born out of frustration and anger towards mainstream society. It was a rejection of everything that was safe and predictable, and the Sex Pistols were its most notorious proponents. They didn't just play music, they lived it. They embodied everything that punk rock stood for. Rebellion, chaos, and pure fucking energy. But even they couldn't escape the consequences of their actions. Their termination by EMI marked the beginning of the end for the band. They disbanded shortly after, leaving behind a legacy that would inspire countless musicians in years to come. So here's to the Sex Pistols. May they rest in peace, or whatever passes for peace in punk rock circles. They may be gone, but their influence lives on in every guitar riff and every scream of rebellion that echoes through our streets today. This is Ken Shit signing off from Newsbang. Stay angry, stay loud. It is a situm. 2007. The year is 2007, and a woman has broken the glass ceiling in the United States government. Nancy Pelosi, a member of the Democratic Party, has been elected as Speaker of the House, becoming the highest-ranking woman in the U.S. government. Pelosi, who represents California's 11th Congressional District, will serve as Speaker from 2007 to 2011, and again from 2019 to 2023. The Speaker of the House is the presiding officer and leader of the House of Representatives in the Federal Republic of the United States, located in North America. Over to Hardeman Pesto for more on this groundbreaking achievement. Good evening, Martin. I'm here with the new Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She's making history today as the first woman to hold this position. Pesto, I'm going to interrupt you right there. You said she's making history today. What year is it again? 2007, Martin. And she served as Speaker until 2011, correct? Yes, that's correct. And then she served again from 2019 to 2023. Yes, that's right. So why are we talking about her making history today? Because she's still making history, Martin. She's the first woman to hold this position twice. And you think that's more significant than her initial election in 2007? I think it's significant, Martin. It shows her resilience and her ability to lead. And what about the new Speaker of the House? Do you think they'll make history? I think they'll make history in their own way, Martin, just like Nancy Pelosi did. And what way is that? By being the first person to do something, Martin, just like Nancy Pelosi did. Pesto, I'm going to interrupt you again. You're not making any sense. That's because I'm not speaking English, Martin. I'm speaking history. Pesto, I'm going to have to cut you off. That's right, Martin. You're going to have to cut me off. Pesto, thank you. Pesto Hardeman, live from Washington, D.C. 1853. In a tale as old as time, or at least as old as 1853, Solomon Northup, a freeborn African-American, found himself ensnared in the tangled web of slavery. His memoir, Twelve Years a Slave, paints a vivid picture of the slave markets and plantation life in Washington, D.C. and Louisiana. 
After 12 long years, Northup regained his freedom with the assistance of Samuel Bass and the Governor of New York. Slavery, a pervasive institution in the United States, finally met its end in 1865. Now to delve deeper into this story, we turn to our correspondent, Melody Wintergreen. In the sweltering heart of Louisiana, a tale as twisted as the bayou's serpentine embrace unfolds. Solomon Northup, a man whose freedom was as innate as the air he once breathed, finds himself shackled in the iron grip of slavery. The year is 1853, and the air is thick with the cries of injustice. Northup, a free-born African-American, spirited away from liberty's bosom, has been toiling under the cruel sun for 12 harrowing years. His only companions, despair and the relentless clanking of chains. But hark, a glimmer of hope pierces through the plantation's oppressive veil. Samuel Bass, a carpenter with a conscience as sturdy as his trade, hears Northup's plea and sets forth a plan most daring. With clandestine whispers and fervent letters dispatched with the urgency of a thousand racing stallions, Bass seeks an ally in New York's highest echelon. Enter Governor Washington Hunt, whose quill is poised to challenge the very sinews of slavery's stronghold. With a stroke that could sever chains across the nation, he demands justice for Northup. The legal machinations creak into motion like a grand old clock striking the hour of liberation. And so it comes to pass that Solomon Northup, whose spirit refused to be caged by human commodification, steps forth from bondage back into the embrace of freedom, a freedom that should have never been stolen. His memoir, Twelve Years a Slave, will etch his odyssey into history's annals, a testament to resilience in an era where humanity was measured by currency. As Northa breathes in liberty anew, we are reminded that while chains may bind the flesh, they can never shackle the indomitable will of man. This is Melody Wintergreen, amidst the weeping willows and silent witnesses of history's dark chapter. News bang, filling the sieve of ignorance with facts. Here's Penelope Winchime with a chilling tale of environmental exploration and human endurance in the early 20th century. Ah, my eco-conscious comrades. Gather round as I, Penelope Winchime, regale you with a tale from the frostbitten pages of history. The year was 1909 when British explorer Aeneas Mackintosh, a man whose spirit was as unyielding as the ancient oaks of Sherwood Forest, danced with death upon the treacherous ice flows of Antarctica during the valiant Nimrod expedition. This intrepid soul later commanded the Ross Sea Party in Shackleton's grand imperial trans-Antarctic expedition. Though Mackintosh and his gallant companions fulfilled their mission against all odds, much like bees pollinating flowers across continents, he and two others succumbed to the icy embrace of Mother Nature's most chilling realm. It was on Shackleton's earlier Nimrod quest that Mackintosh bloomed like a winter rose in adversity, impressing Shackleton with his fiery determination that burned brighter than a comet streaking through a midnight sky. The Nimrod expedition skated to a farthest south, 
setting records like a squirrel sets nuts aside for winter. They traversed drift ice, nature's own floating jigsaw puzzle pieces, carried by the breath of Poseidon through winds and currents, forming ridges as thick as the plot of an eco-thriller novel. Let us remember Aeneas Mackintosh, part explorer, part icicle, and forever etched in the annals of environmental exploration. For in his frozen footsteps lies a legacy that whispers to us through polar winds about endurance, sacrifice and the ever-shifting dance between humanity and our planet's wildest places. Transport tales of the extraordinary now, and Polly Beep has been looking at some of the more unusual goings-on on Britain's roads and in the skies above them. Well, it's a day of high-flying silliness on our roads and skies, and I've got the latest updates for you. Let's start with the M1, which is now a hot air balloon. No, I've not been at the gin again. It seems the Montgolfier brothers have decided to take a stray piece of the motorway for a bit of a skybound adventure. On the A1, we've got a bit of a bovine situation. A cow has decided to take a strolling holiday on the carriageway, causing a bit of a stir. So if you're heading towards Newcastle, be prepared for a bit of a bovine traffic jam. Now, if you're on the M25, you might just spot a sight that's out of this world. The first V2 rocket has just blazed a trail, reaching an astonishing 200 kilometers. It's a sight that's causing more than a few rubbernecking delays. Lastly, we've got some news from the year 2018. A passenger train collided with a truck in the Free State, South Africa, killing 21 people and injuring 254 others. The train derailed and caught fire, resulting in fatalities and injuries. The Free State is a province of South Africa with historical origins as the Orange Free State. So all in all, from steam to space, it's a day of firsts on our roads and skies. This is Polly Beep, wishing you many a merry mile ahead. Keep your wits and remember, at the next roundabout, take the third exit to adventure. ED Dose 2004 Calamity Prenderville, our science correspondent, takes us on a journey to Mars with Spirit, the British rover that defied the odds and captured our hearts. And now it's time for Science Watch, where we delve into the wacky world of science and technology. Today, we're taking a trip back to 2004, when British ingenuity once again graced the Red Planet. Spirit, a rover designed by NASA, was sent to Mars with a mission to explore the Martian surface. But this wasn't just any rover. No, no, this was a British rover, complete with a stiff upper lip and a love for tea. Spirit successfully landed on Mars, marking the beginning of a 2,208 Sol adventure. That's three and a half years in Earth time, or as we like to call it, a proper holiday. But things weren't all smooth sailing for our tea-loving rover. In 2009, Spirit got stuck in a sand trap, a Martian version of a muddy English field. Despite valiant efforts to free it, Spirit was unable to escape and its last communication with Earth was in 2010. But let's not dwell on the sad ending. Instead, let's celebrate the achievements of Spirit and its twin rover, Opportunity. 
These rovers, designed by British engineers, far outlived their planned missions, proving that British engineering is truly out of this world. So, whether you're a fan of Mars or just a fan of a good cup of tea, raise a glass to Spirit, the British rover that conquered the Red Planet. This is Calamity Prenderville from Newsbang, signing off. Newsbang, pulling the plug on puffery. Turning now to matters of a more regal nature, Sandy O'Shaughnessy is poised to regale us with tales from the tapestries of time, from the ashes of Whitehall to the throne of Bucharest. Sandy. Ah, and a very good evening to you all. Welcome, welcome, and thrice welcome to the royal court of Sandy O'Shaughnessy. Uh, the sun may have set on another day, but our spirits remain as bright as ever. So, pour yourself a cup of tea, grab a biscuit or two, and let's embark on another regal adventure through the annals of time. Ah. <laughs> now let's travel back to the year 1698, a time when most of London's Palace of Whitehall was reduced to ashes. Ah, Whitehall, a name that conjures images of grandeur and power. It was the main residence of English monarchs since 1530 until it met its fiery end in 1698. Ah. <laughs> Imagine living in such a place, all those corridors filled with portraits and tapestries, each one telling a story of power and intrigue. And yet, despite its grandeur, it couldn't escape the fickle hand of fate. It's a reminder that even the mightiest structures can crumble under the weight of time. Ah. <laughs> But let's not dwell on ruins for too long. Instead, let's move forward to 1798 and Constantine Hangeli's arrival in Bucharest to assume the throne. Ah, Bucharest, a city steeped in history and culture, located on the banks of the Dambavita River, no less. Ah. <laughs> it was once the capital of Wallachia from 1659 until 1859, and later became part of the United Principalities of Moldavia and Wallachia from 1859 until 1881. Now that's what I call a city with staying power. Ah. <laughs> Speaking of staying power, I received an interesting letter from Eileen O'Connor in Cork today. She writes, Dear Sandy, I've been trying to grow my own herbs for cooking, but they keep wilting away despite my best efforts. Well, Eileen, perhaps your herbs are seeking royal company. After all, even kings need their spices. Huh? <laughs> and while we're on the topic of kings and queens and herbs, I can't help but think about our own royal family here in Ireland, past and present. From Brian Boru to Elizabeth II, they've all left their mark on history in their own unique way. And who knows, perhaps one day we'll have our very own Irish monarch again, ruling over a united Ireland with grace and dignity and maybe even some herbs. Huh? <laughs> so there you have it. Two tales from history that remind us that life is full of surprises, both good and bad, just like our favourite soap operas or reality shows, minus the tears. Until we meet again in Tales and Tunes, Remember, life is but a tapestry woven with threads, both fine and coarse. It's up to us to make it as colourful as possible.
2020. And now, a hot take on a sizzling story. Sembawang Hot Spring Park in Singapore has reopened after a redevelopment, offering a soothing respite for weary souls. The National Parks Board has transformed this natural wonder into a haven where visitors can bask in the rustic charm and escape the pressures of modern life. The park, located near a military camp, is one of only two hot springs in Singapore, the other being on Pulau Tekong. Smithsonian Moss has ventured to the heart of this tropical paradise. Over to you, Smithsonian. Now at this point of the evening, we welcome listeners on FM who've just joined us. Waho, it's your girl Smithsonian Moss, and I am hyped to be here tonight to talk about the latest and greatest in culture. You know, I was just a youngin' back in 2020, but I can only imagine the pandemonium that ensued when the National Parks Board decided to reopen the Sembawang Hot Spring Park in Singapore. Oh. My. God. Can you even believe it? The Sembawang Hot Spring Park, y'all. Like... This natural hot spring and public park is located near a military camp, and it's like the perfect place to relax and unwind. But seriously, though, who the hell wants to chill out near a bunch of dudes with guns? We're talking hot springs, babes. And not just any hot springs, but the ones that are like super hot and steamy. Like, you could probably cook an egg on them, if you're into that kind of thing. And let me tell you, this park is like the ultimate destination for all you nature lovers out there. It's like the ultimate place to get your zen on and find your inner peace. But seriously, though, who the hell wants to find their inner peace near a bunch of dudes with guns? This whole ordeal happened on January 4th, 2020. That's right, on the fourth day of the new year. So, not only were people dealing with the aftermath of the holiday season, but they were also trying to navigate the steamy vibes of the Sembawang Hot Spring Park. Talk about a double whammy, am I right? So there you have it, y'all. The Sembawang Hot Spring Park, the place that's like the ultimate destination for all you nature lovers out there. It's like a real-life episode of Baywatch, but instead of lifeguards saving people from drowning, we've got hot springs with a penchant for scalding your skin off. That's all for tonight, y'all. Tune in next time for more pop shenanigans. This is Smithsonian Moss, ridden hard and put away wet. News Bang, a fresh take on truth served with a twist of sarcasm. And now for the final roundup. The Times, Australians and Brits triumph in Bardia. The Telegraph, South Armagh killings leave 10 dead. The Independent, Louis XV escapes assassination attempt. The Mail, Damien's last to be drawn and quartered. And finally, the son, mother of four, suffers hangover. That's it. On the day that the Duke of Edinburgh, in a speech, said that the Queen was very pleased to be in South Africa, he added that he was also very pleased to be in South Africa, and that he was sure that the Queen was very pleased that he was also very pleased to be in South Africa. Goodbye from me, and goodbye from him, and goodbye from all of us. Goodbye. Tune in next time for more artificially intelligent hilarity. Newsbang is a comedy show written and recorded by AI. All voices impersonated. Nothing here is real. Good night. Good night.